Reading our Bibles regularly can be a challenge, but we're all on this journey together. We're praying that this podcast inspires you, helps you better understand God's Word, and builds your faith. This is Join the Journey with your host, Emma Dodder. Thanks for joining. I am in the podcast studio with this year's Watermark Institute Join the Journey fellow. It's Hannah Stobbs. What's up, friends? How's it going? Hannah, so good to have you here. You're normally, well, tell everybody, what do you normally do for the podcast? Well, friends, normally I'm sitting in a chair off to the side, aggressively typing away and taking notes. So it's funny to be from the chair, in the headset, on the mic. What a twist. Hannah, Hannah helps with our editing process. Mm-hmm. She gets everything ready for the production team, and she has been a gift to the Join the Journey wow. team. But before we jump in to 2 Kings 8, Hannah, tell us a little bit about you. How'd you come to know the Lord? And then fast forward. Yeah, so I mean, good. the news update in your life is that you moved to Dallas. Moved and to you're Dallas. Here with me. But <laughs> apart from that, what's going on? No, yeah. I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a youth pastor for over 20 years. And so I grew up, I knew all about Bible, the church. I was the annoying girl in Sunday school. Who knows the answer? My hand is up. I know it. <laughs> I feel bad. All those girls, shout out to you for dealing with me. And so I knew all the answers. I loved church. Like I loved being with people, helped set up, straighten the chairs, pastor's kid, all this stuff. But there was just no heart change. There was no okay, this actually is a real person. Jesus is a real person. He's fully God, fully man, all these things. So when I was 10, I was on family vacation in Florida and I went to sleep, went to go to sleep, me and all my cousins, they all fell asleep. I stayed awake and started thinking about what would happen if I died. I think Mm. only pastor's kids think about death on vacation, but I could (laughs) not sleep. I was like, oh my gosh. Wait, why? I, I, dude, I don't know. Literally, everyone is asleep. All my kid cousins, except for me. And I'm like terrified because the the thing is, I knew. I knew who Jesus was. I knew he died and I knew I'd be separated from him and I did not want that. So I run to the living room. My mom and aunt so graciously were like, calm down, sit down and open up the Bible, showed me through the Romans road, the beauty of the gospel, who Jesus is, that he came and died and I can have a relationship from, with him if I want it. Mm-hmm. And I locked in. 10-year-old Hannah was like, absolutely, yes, I want to do that. And so flash forward, felt called into ministry at camp when I was 12, um, faithfully followed the Lord through middle school, high school, very imperfect, but just kept trying to be faithful and grow in my walk. Went to college at NC State, go pack, got an undergrad. Wait, what school is that? North Carolina State University. Okay, go shout pack, out. Shout out. What is go pack? Our wolf like, pack. Go pack your, like, go pack your bags. We're, like, we're pack your bags your... because you're an amazing leader with a degree. No, oh. um, the wolf pack. So undergrad in education to be a middle school teacher, but then ended up getting my master's in Christian ministry at North Greenville University, Crusaders, Swords Up, Shing. And then here Shing. I am. Shing, like you're the kidding. sword. Yeah. You're kidding, yeah. I'm dead serious. And so it's amazing. And now I'm here. And so the the Lord has been really, really kind. Moving to Dallas, being a part of Watermark was never in the cards in what I expected, but a man plans his way, but the Lord orders his steps. So I'm happy to be here and in the studio with you. How fun. I, I love it. And yeah. today we're reading Second Kings 8. And I know that one of your favorite characters in the entire Bible. Yep. is in this passage. Come on. So who is this person and what do we make of her? This is so funny because I think when you hear Second Kings 8, you're like, how do you have a favorite character? Is it David? Is it Solomon? And it's actually the Shunammite woman actually in this passage. So if you've been following with the journey, in Second Kings 4, we actually meet her. She's this wealthy woman who really just wanted to be a blessing to the man of God. And so she actually has this her own home and she decides, hey, I really want to be a blessing to Elisha. So she actually offers her like guest bedroom to him basically. So when he would go on all these journeys of prophesying over people, he would stay at her home. But that turned into 
him prophesying that she'd have a son. She has a son. The son dies. And Elisha raises that same son from the dead. So when we meet her a couple chapters ago, we just see her being faithful to being kind and showing aggressive generosity to Elisha. And now we meet her again, and it seems kind of out of pocket. Like, why is this woman back? But what's so cool is her faithfulness so many years earlier resulted in her actually getting restored some land. So in in chapter 8 at the very beginning, she actually went and sojourned in the land of the Philistines in verse 2 because of this famine. So when she returns and asks for this land back, it's amazing because the king she asks for this land back from, while she is going to meet with this king, the king is meeting with Gehaiza. I think that's how the servant Seems, of God. Sounds right to me. Gehaiza, if you will Gehaiza. say it, if you say it with confidence, everyone will believe it. But that's right. She that's what we do. On that, the, the welcome the to join the podcast. It is fake until you make it. No, <laughs> but the king is talking to Gehaiza, who is Elisha's servant, and hears the Shumanites' whole story. Then she walks in and says, can I have my land back? And the king's like, I basically just heard your story. Yes, you can definitely have back. In verse six, it says, and when the king asked the woman, she told him. So the king appointed an official to her saying, restore all that was hers together with all the produce of the fields from the day that she left until now. Mm, so every, wow. all of the things that she would have missed out on in not being there was restored to her. And that just challenges me so much because I'm thinking, in, when she, a couple chapters before, which was uh, many years before, at least 10 to 15 before, mm-hmm. she probably just thought me being gracious to this servant of God, it's just me being faithful. It's nothing big and spectacular. It's a guest bedroom in my house because I'm wealthy. And that turned into a child being born, being raised from the dead, and all these things being restored just by her ordinary acts mm-hmm. of faithfulness, which is really powerful. That's sweet. Uh, what? So let's let's camp out on that. What ordinary acts of faithfulness do you see in this passage? I think one of the ordinary acts of faithfulness we see prior to this passage is her actually giving Elisha a room in her home, one, and following after the Lord. But another thing is we see her trusting, an ordinary act of faithfulness is trusting the godly people around her, trusting the word of God around her. In verse two, it says, or in verse one, rather, Elisha tells her and says, arise, depart with your household. The Lord is calling a famine. So when she heard the word of the Lord spoken, she acted upon it. She was obedient to what God called her to do. So in verse two, it says, so the woman arose and did according to the word of the man of God. So she she leaves her home for seven years because the man of God told her to. I don't know. I don't know about you. I mean, I moved to Dallas because I felt like the Lord called me to it. This was not in the cards. It was not 12-year-old Hannah decides to do ministry. 10-year-old Hannah gets um, gets saved and follows Jesus and thinks, one day I'm going to dramatically move <laughs> my whole life to Dallas. But it's ordinary acts of faithfulness. And so that's definitely one that we see in this passage for sure. How do you see God's faithfulness in, in 2 Kings 8? I think the Lord's faithfulness we see in this passage is in his sovereignty. It could have been that she came to ask for this land back and the man could have said, the king rather could have said, I don't know who you are. I don't know anything about your story. You left for seven years. You're not getting your land back. But the sovereignty in God in verse four, that the king was talking to Gehaiza, the servant of the man of God, Elisha's servant. He's literally talking to him. So the timing here is perfection Mm. of the king is hearing how God has moved and how God has worked when this woman walks in. So just the sovereignty of God, I think, shows his faithfulness and how he is chosen to be here and do these things when he didn't have to. God did not have to restore her land, and he chose to do it out of his goodness, mm. which is pretty incredible. All right, Hannah, let, let me ask you this. Yeah. In the, in this chapter, yeah. there's—I don't even know how to phrase this, but 
What are your thoughts on the world's cringiest stare down? Yeah, this is what's funny about this this chapter. We have one of my favorite characters, this faithful woman, clearly following after the Lord. And then you turn into this guy, Elisha, basically giving the world's cringiest stare down to this man, Hazael? Hazael? Everyone try to say that out loud. One, two, three. Hazael. Please say it in your car, wherever you are. But... We see in this passage, Hazael comes to talk to Elisha and basically asks him if this other guy is going to recover from this illness, and he's just not going to. But we see in verse 11, it says, And he fixed his gaze and stared at him until he was embarrassed, and the man of God wept. So we hear a stare down so intense that someone leaves the stare down embarrassed and sad. And I think this is another just interesting part of this text because maybe the takeaway here is, Elisha's so sad and broken for what's about to happen through this man that it brought him genuinely to tears. The vulgar depravity that this man's actions was going to have in the future brought Elisha to weep. And so it's it's an interesting parallel or interesting contrast, if you will, the actions of Elisha and the Shumanite woman brought such hope and blessing and mm-hmm. seeing the Lord move where the actions of Hazael and Elisha brought tears, devastation, and results in Hazel literally murdering this guy, one of the weirdest murders of all time. This guy's sick and he covers his faith with a wet cloth. Yeah, and he dies. So, so there's some odd things in yeah. in this chapter. As we close, yeah. uh, how do you live differently because of what you read? I mean, there's some strange, you've got the stare down, you've got this yeah. random-ish murder. Yeah, it's what a, do you do? It's it in, it compels me because faithfulness to the Lord. Those actions stack in the same way non-faithful actions stack. I think a lot of times we can talk about, and we've even talked about that today, how it's little areas of compromise and you can turn it's 20 years from now and it's, where am I at? How did this happen? In the same way, ordinary acts of faithfulness, that's what faithfulness is, right? Long obedience in the same direction. When you keep being faithful to the Lord, you can turn around 20 years later and say, wow, I can't believe I'm still seeking after the Lord, and I can't believe what God's done. And so I think of Philippians 1, 6, and I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it at the day of Christ Jesus, which is one of my favorite verses and thinking about how I want to be like this woman who took everyday actions and being faithful mm-hmm. and got to result in a life that was not perfect, was not, like, didn't negate having sin in it. It wasn't, um, it wasn't easy, but man, it was a journey because she got to walk with God and got to be faithful to him. And I don't want to have a story where I was faithful to God and then I turned at the end and and missed out on a mm-hmm. life full of faithfulness. And so how my life has changed is how can I be faithful today and not focusing on the future? Tomorrow has enough trouble for itself, mm-hmm. right? I'm not going to stare in the rearview mirror at mistakes I've made. I'm going to, God, what do you have for me today? And your mercies are new and good every morning, even for today. Right. Asking the Lord, what do you have for us today? I love it. Hannah, thank you for being here. And as always, I'm so glad we're all on this journey reading the Bible together. The Join the Journey podcast is produced by Watermark Community Church in Dallas, Texas. You can learn more about Watermark by connecting with us on social media. Just search Watermark Church, all one word. And to read along with us, visit jointhejourney.com. And thank you guys for listening.